This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. So, what's on our plate today? Today, we are sharing the story of grapes. production quantities, grapes are among the most popular fresh fruits worldwide, alongside bananas and apples. There are more than 10,000 varieties of grapes, and over 75 million metric tons of the fruit is produced annually across the globe. Grapes are deciduous, perennial climbing plants that can grow more than 50 feet in length. The plants have coiled tendrils and large toothed leaves, and they produce clusters of flowers that develop into bunches of grapes, which range in color from almost black to green, red, and amber. A single vine can have as many as 50 clusters of fruit, with anywhere from 6 to 300 grapes in each bunch. Grapes are botanically considered to be a berry, and they belong to the Vitaceae family, V-I-T-A-C-E-A-E. It's a big family, to say the least. There are 11 different genus categories and about 600 different species within the entire family. However, the genus Vitus, V-I-T-U-S, is the only food-bearing genus in the family, and within that genus are about 60 different species of grapes. Two of the principal species types in the grape family are North American and European, the names simply referencing the native land of the respective species. Grapes are also generally classified as either table or wine grapes, although many varieties can be used as both. Table grapes, or fresh grapes, are mainly eaten out of hand, whereas, you guessed it, wine grapes are used for making wine. North American grapes are the grapes that Norse explorers found growing so abundantly when they first arrived in North America around 900 CE that they actually dubbed the land Vineland. North American grapes fall mainly into the species Vitis labrusca, L-A-B-R-U-S-C-A. Other North American grape species include Vitis riparia and Vitis berlandieri, which are commonly used as breeding rootstock. Perhaps the most popular American-derived grape is the Concord grape, named for its origin in Concord, Massachusetts. North American grapes can also be known as native grapes, and they also earn the nickname slipskin grapes due to the fact that their skins slip easily off the pulp. In addition to their slippery skin, North American grape species are characterized by their cold hardiness and disease resistance, as well as by their unfortunate low sugar yet high acid content. Why unfortunate? Well, that combo just isn't the best for making wine. Grapes with the most glucose are the most readily fermented. Oh, and let's not forget a key characteristic of these North American fruits, their foxiness. Early settlers sometimes called the native grapes fox grapes, as the fruit has a wild, earthy aroma, apparently evocative of a fox den. The term foxy is used to describe this distinctive musky note found in many grapes and wines derived from American grapes. American grapes can be found growing in most temperate regions of the Northern Hemisphere, They require less heat than European grapes to ripen, and are most commonly used to make jellies or grape juice. Another native North American grape is the subspecies Vitis rotundifolia, commonly known as muscadine grapes. 
They are nearly immune to insects and diseases, and they bear fruit in small, loose clusters instead of large, tight bunches like other grapes. They may produce as little as half a dozen large grapes per cluster, and they need a growing season of at least 200 days. Muscadine grapes range in color from bronze green to pinkish red to coppery purple or black, and they have a bold, musky flavor with fruity notes. They are often grown in the southern part of America, including Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, and North Carolina, as those areas have mild winters and the fruits are tolerant of greater heat. European grapes are the most widely cultivated worldwide. They are said to have originated in Western Asia near the Caspian Sea and have been cultivated for at least 7,000 years. Throughout history, they've been pictured in ancient Egyptian mosaics as well as in Greek and Roman murals. They also arguably produce the best grapes for winemaking, as well as some of the most popular table grapes. European grapes are botanically classified as Vitis vinifera, V-I-N-I-F-E-R-A. There are thousands of varieties of European grapes stemming from this single species. The distinguishing characteristics of European grapes include tight skin and high heat requirement for ripening. Unlike their American counterparts, European grapes lack cold hardiness and are susceptible to a number of troublesome diseases. They require long, dry, warm-to-hot summers and cool winters for their best growth. European grapes in general offer sweet and wine-like flavors. Famous European table grapes include the Flame Seedless and Thompson Seedless, and some easily recognizable European wine grapes include Chardonnay and Zinfandel grapes. In addition to North American and European grapes, there are also hybrid varieties on the market. Hybrid grape varieties may also be called French hybrids or French-American hybrids. The desire to combine superior qualities for making wine with cold hardiness and disease resistance led to the development of such hybrid grapes, and most of the initial breeding work was done in France. Why? Well, hybridization began after a pest devastated more than 2.5 million acres of European grapes in France around 1865. The pest, which is native to eastern America, was brought into Europe on American grapevines, causing the extensive vineyard damage. The issue was finally resolved when European grape stems were grafted onto American rootstock, which is more resistant to that troublesome pest as well as disease. And so began the development of French-American hybrids. Since ancient times, grapes have been widely cultivated and valued for both their fruit and, of course, their wine. Grapes are one of the earliest domesticated fruit crops, and winemaking, or viticulture, is as old as civilization itself. Archaeological evidence suggests that the domestication of grapes first took place in the Near East about 8,000 years ago, during the Neolithic period, and from there, grape cultivation spread via trade and conquest. Most cultivated varieties of grapes come from just the one species, Vetus vinifera, a.k.a. the European grape we talked about earlier. By 4000 BCE, viticulture, the making of wine, extended to Asia Minor and Egypt. The Hittites, the ancient Anatolian people, are credited with bringing grape culture westward as early as 3000 BCE, as they migrated to areas of modern-day Turkey, Bulgaria, and Greece. It was the Greeks who then brought grape cultivation and winemaking to Sicily, southern Italy, Carthage, France, and Spain. With better soil and climate conditions in those areas, the center of grape cultivation and wine production shifted to Central Europe into the heart of the Roman Empire. Once grapes made their way into the hands of the Romans, production became widespread across Europe. 
By the 2nd century CE, there were over 90 known varieties of grapes, as described by Roman author, naturalist, and philosopher Pliny the Elder, who also recorded 50 different kinds of wines and described vine training methods. Training is necessary for growing a grapevine of desirable form and is done by pruning the young vine, then tying both it and its growth to a support stake. Pruning is regarded as the most important vineyard operation. So what about the history of wine itself? Well, chemical analysis of wine jars shows that the fermented drink from grapes dates back to the Neolithic period, and one of the earliest records of wine comes from China around 7 or 6,000 BCE. Those thousands of years ago, humans likely discovered that grapes make wine naturally, as airborne yeast and enzymes land on the fruit and trigger fermentation. Doesn't that sound tasty? Over time, of course, the process was perfected as viticulture flourished and expanded. In Egypt, hieroglyphics of grapes and wine jugs found in tombs trace back as far as 5000 BCE. Even Egyptian pharaoh King Tut had red wine in his tomb. In ancient Greek religion and mythology, the god of fertility and wine, Dionysus, is credited with creating wine and winemaking. In Rome, the god of wine was called Bacchus. Grapes have had an important cultural and economical role in human history, and the grapevine across the entire Mediterranean is tied to fertility and prosperity, as well as social and cultural ritual. Greek song and literature, most notably the works of Homer, have extensive references to grapevines and wine, and the grapevine is mentioned more than any other plant in the Bible. According to the book of Genesis, one of the first things Noah did after the great flood was planted a vineyard, and in the book of Deuteronomy, grapevine is listed as one of the plants in the promised land. And of course, let's not forget the first miracle that Jesus performed, turning water into wine. Grapes and wine were mainly associated with monasteries after the fall of the Roman Empire because it was the monks who maintained and possibly even improved winemaking throughout the Middle Ages, thanks to their knowledge and their time. Later on, the use of wine became a prevalent cultural and social custom. This increased demand for the fruit, and from the 16th to the 20th century, its popularity continued to steadily rise. Spanish and other European explorers extended the wine industry and trade to North America and other parts of the world, bringing their old-world European grapevines with them. For centuries, wine was actually the more reliable drink choice over water. In many cities, including Athens and Babylon, the water was not safe to consume, rendering it practically undrinkable on its own. Instead, the people, including children, drank wine diluted with water. Water was even used as a symbol of falsehood, famously so in Shakespeare's Othello, with a line that states, She was false as water. The three primary uses for grapes are wine, dried fruit, a.k.a. raisins, and fresh table grapes. However, wine is by far the most prevalent. The mature fruit of all grape varieties will ferment into something like wine when crushed, and most grapes can be dried or eaten fresh. However, only a limited number of grape varieties produce what is considered standard or high-quality wines. The world produces over 7 trillion gallons of wine annually, with about one-third of all vineyards located in Italy, France, and Spain. Today, the wine, grape, and grape products industries have a presence in all 50 United States, though the majority comes from California, which accounts for nearly 90% of the nation's wine. Other important grape-producing countries include Germany, Greece, Turkey, Chile, Argentina, Iran, South Africa, and Australia. However, this new year brings some bad news for wine drinkers, as analysts have speculated that there will be a wine shortage sometime in 2018 due to an internationally poor harvest last year. 
Global wine production fell by 8% in 2017, capping off the year as the worst wine shortage in 50 years. According to the European Commission, the 2017 harvest in Europe was one of the worst since 1982, and Europe's overall wine production dropped by 14%. Sure, each individual major wine-producing country has had poor harvest seasons in prior years, but the problem now is that all three major producers in Europe, Spain, Italy, and France, had an off year due to climate hazards. But let's not dwell on the bad news, just stock up on your favorite wine and enjoy. Aside from wine, raisins also make up a decent percent of grape productions worldwide, as there's a 4 to 1 ratio of pounds of grapes used to pounds of raisins produced. And lastly, we have table grapes, those grapes you buy to snack on fresh out of hand. On average, table grapes make up less than 20% of the world's total production of the fruit. And in the grand scheme of grape history, they are a relatively recent development. Before the 16th century, grapes had a near-exclusive purpose, making wine. I say nearly exclusive as some doctors used wine vinegar as a disinfectant, and ancient healers used the sap of grapevines to make an ointment to treat skin and eye diseases. Grape leaves were also used to stop bleeding and relieve inflammation. Still, the primary goal was wine. The growth of table grapes is often associated with the French king Francois I, who ruled from 1515 to 1547, as the improvement of table grapes, or dessert grapes as they were called, began under his reign. He apparently had a fondness for the Chasala grape, which is considered one of the oldest dessert grape varieties. With a mix of high perishability and high transportation costs, table grapes are primarily eaten in the country where they were grown. Europe and North America lead the world in fresh grape consumption, with the typical American snacking on an average of 8 pounds of fresh grapes per year. I don't know how many grapes I've snacked on myself over the years, but it's crazy to think that growing up, I really only thought about two types of grapes— red or green. And yet there are thousands of unique cultivars, each with their own purpose and characteristics. Food is such an important part of culture and history, and there's so much to learn. So keep exploring. Download the Specialty Produce app and discover something new. Maybe a new table grape or maybe a wine grape. We'll leave that up to you. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specialty Produce app on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and local market shares on the Specialty Produce app. Tune in next time for more food fables. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.